You're listening to the SWAT Agronomy Podcast, the show for people who leverage the latest in technology to solve agronomic problems. If you're interested in on-farm application of precision ag technology, you've come to the right place. Get ready as we unpack the insights and experiences of the agronomic minds leading our industry forward. Today on the SWAT Agronomy Podcast. Any person that's stepping in the precision ag If you're doing it to save money, I think you're doing it for the wrong reason. I think stepping in the Precision Ag is a really good platform to get a better return on investment and actually make more money at the end of the day. Because at the end of the day, if you want to save money on your farm, it's simple. You put out half the rate of fertilizer, you put out half the rate of chemical, and you've achieved twice the savings as what you would have spent. Economically, it's probably not going to keep you sustainable for a long period of time. So, you know, we're saying the guys that if you don't need to apply fertilizer in that part of the paddock, but you do need to apply it there, and you can grow one extra ton of grain per hectare, you know, that's a three to four hundred dollar investment that you've actually made, which will not only cover a massive cost of what you're spending on, you know, your precision ag, but it's going to also lead you into more yield, more money. Trav Hare of Crop Opti Services joins the show. Trav is based in Horsham, Victoria, where they offer a fee-for-service agronomy business as well as a retail arm that specializes in ag chem and fertilizer. If this is the first time you're joining us here on the SWAT Agronomy Podcast, welcome. My name is Tim Hamrich. I'm a communications consultant and ag tech geek and the host of the show. I've partnered with the SWAT Maps team on this podcast where we explore where the latest in agronomy meets the latest in technology. Trav Hare has worked in ag for 20 years now. He's part of the agronomy team at Crop Opti Services and works closely with research and development companies at their trial site, bringing new products to market and keeping everyone up to date with those products. As well as looking after his own agronomy clients, Trav also works with machinery companies to help growers utilize their machinery purchases to enable them to achieve better results through the technology these machines provide. Trav and I today talk about the use of precision ag in his area of Australia, the value that that him and his farmer customers are finding in both SWAT maps and the SWAT cam, and the big strides they're making with variable rate herbicide applications. This is one of those interviews where it felt like no matter what I asked, Trav had something interesting and valuable to share, so I think you're really going to enjoy this one. We'll get things off, though, with Trav talking about his background and what ultimately led him to this work. Uh, Yeah, so I've been in the industry for over about 22 years now. Uh, originally from off a farm just south of where we are, around about half an hour. We were traditionally probably graziers more so than croppers. Uh, We're in a wet area of town uh, back in the day. So, yeah, grew up on a farm, uh, left school when I was around about 16, took up shearing, and then, yeah, moved into the ag sector, yeah, not long after that. Very cool. And uh, what is the agriculture like for somebody who's never been to that area? Yeah, look, we're probably in the heart of uh, cropping country. Um, We've got a lot of good sort of dark, heavy loam clay soils around our area. Yeah, there's a few sheep as well, not too much cattle. But yeah, definitely majority of our area is cropping area. We crop canola, wheat, barley, and uh, a lot of lentils as well. Uh, A few beans here and there. Um, So yeah, we've sort of covered most of the major cropping species through here. We're no irrigation. We're all dry land. So, I mean, it sounds similar to kind of Western Canada. Yeah, very much. Uh, we've actually got a guy that works for us. He spent a bit of time 
over in Alberta. So um, spent two years over there working. Yeah, so a little bit similar to yeah what you guys are over there with your dryland cropping programs. So and and sort of similar varieties as well, and especially lentils, big in the lentils now. Well, I'm sure uh, you, you know it was pretty taxing on the body shearing sheep, but uh, what what was it about the agriculture stuff that attracted you to it? Oh, look, I think uh, when we first started out, agriculture was fairly simple. Um, the cropping programs were very simple. And, you know, we just sort of saw an ability that, you know, over the years uh, there was probably going to be some change. Our business probably over the last 10 years has changed a lot through our agronomic services. We've gone from mainly just agronomy um, into now a lot of precision ag, and that seems to be really building through our area. And I think the technology in the industry as well has significantly changed in the last few years. You see a lot of the sand spray stuff coming through and Agrifac's got their bilberry systems coming through. There's some really big changes in ag at the moment. And we're probably lucky enough that when these changes started incurring a few years ago, we were sort of at the forefront then. So we've been able to stick at it since then and, and keep moving along with technology and helping growers achieve better results, which has, yeah, been really good for everybody here. So That's great. What do you think it is? You know, I've heard multiple times that, you know, Australia is sort of ahead of the, ahead of the curve when it comes to precision ag. You know, what do you think it is about uh, the region that, that has caused it to sort of, you know, be on the forefront of things? I think uh, generally in our area, you know, we always had guys come to us and say, you know, uh, my soil types are all the same. And, you know, we're a lot of sort of heavy clay country through some parts of our region. And guys just used to go, oh, all our soil types are the same. They don't change. And um, we used to sort of go, oh, well, that must be fantastic when you're getting yield data, you know. Um, your yield data must show up all green because if your soil type's the same and you're putting the same fertilizer on and same seeding rate on and you're getting the same amount of rainfall, um, you shouldn't have ups and downs in your yield data. And blokes used to go, oh, well, yeah, but we do. And you sort of go, well, what's a variable? And then, you know, I think from those conversations early with a lot of our guys, they sort of, they adjusted the way they were thinking and sort of went, well, obviously there are variables out there. You know, maybe our soil types are a little bit different. And we've sort of gone through and, and still doing it and probably a lot more. The uptake's been a lot more of late. Guys actually looking at getting soils mapped, getting them tested into zones, and they are seeing vast differences. And the guys that have seen those vast differences now are actually seeing vast differences in yield too. So it's been a real changing dynamic, um, especially through our way, in the way that we actually go about our cropping program. And yeah, look, guys are seeing the benefits. Um, and now they're really starting to understand soil types a lot more than probably what we traditionally have. So and, and uh, let's let's talk about the weed management side of things, because it sounds different to me, you know, when you're looking at the variability in yield from from soil types and, and getting those mapped uh, to now precision kind of weed management or variable rate weed management. Uh, when did that start to kind of pop up for guys and, and what has accelerated the interest there? Yeah, we we've done a little bit over the years. We did a little bit with Tyrannus a few years ago. Uh, which was basically mapping paddocks for weeds and giving us weed counts and where the weeds actually were. Look, the technology at the time was probably ahead of itself. We sort of looked at it and went, you know, that's fantastic. 
and the maps were really good as well and they gave us some really useful data but the big problem with it was that one we relied on a third party to actually come in and fly a drone over it that was an additional cost to what we're actually doing two then it took a little bit of time to actually get it in the place and guys probably weren't set up enough to you know change the way they actually sprayed to you know getting the benefit out of it so probably over the last couple of years and we've done a lot with crop domestic this year with their SWAT cam um we've had a couple of guys running SWAT cams out in the paddock and the data we're getting back from that has been absolutely fantastic in creating weed maps that you know, we may not use so much at the time we're actually doing them, but going forward into the, the following year, we're able to identify where these sort of weeds are and come up with some pre and post emergent options to actually, you know, do a better job in the paddock. And we're finding that even, you know, with variable rate seeding rates, if we've got someone with, you know, a big patch of ryegrass through 15% of their paddock, we're actually able to up seeding rates and, you know, apply better pre and post emergence there to get guys better results. So yeah, it's it's changing and changing rapidly as well. So And with those SWAT cams, so where are those mounted? When and where are they collecting data? Yeah, so our SWAT cams are mounted on uh, just out near the tips of the booms. So what they're doing is taking images across the paddock as growers are driving over and I think, you know, it's giving us a lot of images and a lot of information. And when we actually go back through and look at these images with growers, we're able to identify different areas of emergence. And obviously with our SWAT maps, we, you know, we have several different type of maps. We've got topography, hills, elevation, depressions. And it's really interesting to actually go through and look at where our emergence has actually struck poor. It may be in a depression or it may be on a hill or a different soil type, there's a lot of relevant information that shows up that, you know, we can actually go back and adjust these things year on year. And as we get more information through and we get better at this, it's making better decisions for growers on farm and putting more money back in their pocket, which is, you know, what we're here for at the end of the day. So, yeah. And and what is that process like to go from the data collected on the SWAT cam to actually a, a prescription for the uh, the technology that can do the the spot spraying? Yeah, look, the the process is simple, and that's one thing we really like about these processes. The maps are really good. The guys in Canada are sending us these through basically straight away as they're happening live. So the information's great, and you know. To go back and actually be able to do a map off these is, is very simple. We've got a girl here, Bridget. She runs sort of the PA side of it and she's across it. And the help the guys from Canada give her is also exceptional as well. And not just showing her how to do it, but, you know, talking her through and helping her understand what to actually look for and why to look for those issues and putting the maps back into, you know, guys' cabs basically. So it makes it easier for them. Very simple. We've got a lot of guys running Op Center, JD Op Center through here. Uh, so, you know, we can basically just log straight into their machine, slide their map straight in. So, whether it's the grower himself or whether it's their worker or operator or contractor from time to time, these guys are actually getting the maps in the machine and, you know, just making it a lot easier for them. And especially for the inexperienced operator that's maybe not too sure. For him, it's business as usual. He just drives straight ahead 
And, yeah, what we say is the precision ag fairies in our land has come along and make everything happen behind him. So... The precision ag fairies. I like it. What do the economics look like for this new? Well, it's, it's kind of new to us. It sounds like it's less new for you all over there, but uh, for this technology of, of of the spot spraying that, that uses these maps. Yeah, look, we've got a couple of guys through here that have uh, John Deere sand spray. Um, these guys are using it, especially during summer. But we've got a guy sort of north of us and, and they're a large scale operation. And um, they're probably saving up to $20,000 a day when they're actually going out and spraying with this spot spraying technology. So big acreage and, you know, the maps we're actually getting back on uh, John Deere Operations Centre, they kind of concur that, you know, there's only about 10 to 15% of the paddock being sprayed spot spray wise compared to what, you know, we'd be doing in a blanket, which would be 100%. So, yeah, guys with spot spraying systems now, whether it be, you know, the John Deere side of it or Bilbury uh, with AgriFac, there's some really big savings. And when you break down the cost to what it's actually costing them to, you know, their return on investment, uh, yeah, it's, it's huge. The other benefits for us is as, as agronomists that these guys, because they're actually using less chemical, it gives us the opportunity to go and probably use products that you wouldn't use in a broad blanket spray situation because it's too expensive but when you're using it in that spot spray situation we're able to use much better technology uh, with products and that kind of thing that you know we're reducing our cost and we're actually getting far better weed control for growers where you know sometimes we might have to do a double knock these guys now are just able to up their rates a little bit use a better spray that for us, it may cost $25 a hectare as a blanket, but when we're only using, you know, 15% or doing 15, 20% of the paddock, it's reducing the cost down dramatically and we're seeing better weed kill. Makes a lot of sense. So, you know, my, my understanding of the John Deere sea and spray technology is that it would do both the seeing and the spraying. So why, why do you need the maps to help identify where the weeds are? Yeah, so with our uh, maps that we're actually creating, we're, we're doing these as an in-crop spray, basically. So we've seen some John Deere sand spray stuff happening. Um, you know, where I know a lot of these companies at the moment are trying to get to this green on green phase. And, you know, I think that's probably from what we've seen, um, it's not quite there yet. So it, it is a little way off. I know there's claims that, you know, they can be done and I think AgriFac and Bilbury and that are saying it can be done. I'm, I'm not familiar exactly, and I probably don't want to speak out of school, but um, whether or not that's actually occurring a great deal. So I think until that technology really goes to that next level where it is green on green, um, the spot spraying system has a, has a great fit. You know, these summer weed sprays where we do have that real difference from green on brown in crop at the moment. Uh, the green on green is currently not quite there. So using these weed maps is actually really beneficial to guys where we can throw a blanket or we can operate or something like that to control the weeds that we do know are there uh, rather than, you know, trying to go the green on green just at the moment while the technology's yeah, not quite there. So... All right. Well, we, we've talked about the, the sea and spray and the bilberry and the, the agrifac. Uh, is there any any other, you know, kind of spot spraying technology that you're seeing used a lot or that seems to be working? 
Yeah, probably not so much in our area. Um, I think the sea and spray, that kind of technology through our parts is fantastic. I think it's at a at a good level for a lot of growers. There probably hasn't been as much uptake in it as, as what I would have thought. Um, I think a lot of guys, they look at when they're buying these machines nowadays, they sort of go, geez, it's a lot of extra cost. And I think that kind of um, narrows minds a little bit. They don't kind of think long term about, you know, the economical benefits and the savings and not just the savings, but, you know, getting better weed control during the summer and that kind of thing and giving them more time. So, yeah, for us in for in our part anyway, I think that sea and spray is definitely happening and it's definitely progressing. But, yeah, I think at the moment, our focus really needs to be on trying to create some of these weed maps and do a little bit of variable rate spraying. So we've seen some of the sea and spray, the, the green on brown technology used in fungicides. So lentils is a really good example where, you know, we've had washed out parts in the paddock and the lentils have basically just died. Um, applying fungicide through a sea and spray to the green parts of the paddock and not to the brown parts of the paddock. We seem to be saving guys a little bit of chemical, a little bit of money um, in that, you know, there's no point spraying it if it's dead and you're not going to get a return on investment. So, you know, John Deere have been very proactive in that space as well, uh, looking at different algorithms, I think, going forward and, you know, trying a few different things. Um, we've sort of tried to do a little bit of green on green with sand spray uh, around big weeds and adjusting sensitivities and things like that. But, yeah, that's really up to John Deere. They're the experts in that field at the moment. So, yeah, not for us. Right. So in that case, you really need the map, it sounds like. Yeah, at, at the moment, we really do rely heavily on those maps. And, you know, more information, the better. And we can actually create variable rate spray maps very easily nowadays. The operator himself, you know, doesn't need to be too concerned with the fact that, you know, he's not 100% sure how to do it. Um, the technology these days, the machines are just doing it for themselves. And for growers, as I said earlier, you know, it's just the same old, same old. Look forward and do what you normally do and let technology, you know, ride you through it. And and you mentioned earlier that the uptake hasn't quite been as much as you thought it would be. And probably the reason is the upfront cost of the equipment. What have you noticed tends to be the the catalyst or, you know, that causes the light bulb to come on and say, you know what, I need to bite the bullet and just, just go for this. Uh, look, I definitely think um, low fences and people looking over them is definitely one when it comes to that. Um, we've got some guys that have really, you know, adapted to this technology. And, you know, when people ask us about it, it sounds like it's a bit of a handball off, but we sort of say to the guys, look, you know, we can tell you a little bit about it, but you're probably better off talking to one of our growers about it and their experiences because, you know, we can say whatever we like about it, but sometimes grower the grower interaction and the way it actually works, it can be really important to educating guys around just how easy it is. And we find that the guys that we have doing it are very proactive growers. You know, they're always sort of looking for the the next edge to, you know, growing better crops and that kind of thing. And we do encourage guys to, you know, talk to other growers about their experiences and, you know, what works for them and what doesn't, because obviously it's just not a cookie cutter approach nowadays. I think that 
you know, everyone farms a little bit differently. Now, whether that's right or wrong, it's not for us to say. It's, you know, but at the end of the day, I see probably, I know within our own system here, probably, you know, from going from last year into this year was there was a big increase in guys stepping into precision ag and wanting to sort of do a little bit more. And there's guys that from this year now going into next year, it's probably going to increase by twice of what it did last year. So the burn's been very slow around guys getting into it. And I think the fact that in our area, it's a scary prospect because there's not a lot of guys doing it. Um, there's not a lot of agros or consultants out there that are really interested in doing it either. So for us, you know, it, it's of great interest. We see great benefit in it. Our growers that are doing it are pushing us and pushing us to go to the next level. And now guys are seeing some benefits around not so much the savings because any person that's stepping in the precision ag, if you're doing it to save money, I think you're doing it for the wrong reason. I think stepping in the precision ag is a really good platform to get a better return on investment and actually make more money at the end of the day. So it might sound rough, but we say to the growers, we're not here to save you any money. We're here to make you money. Because at the end of the day, if you want to save money on your farm, it's simple. You put out half the rate of fertilizer, you put out half the rate of chemical, and you've achieved twice the savings as what you would have spent. Economically, it's probably not going to keep you sustainable for a long period of time. So, you know, we're saying the guys that if you don't need to apply fertilizer in that part of the paddock, but you do need to apply it there, and you can grow one extra ton of grain per hectare, you know, that's a three to four hundred dollar investment that you've actually made, which will not only cover a massive cost of what you're spending on, you know, your precision ag, but it's going to also lead you into more yield, more money. Thank you for that. Uh, and, and between variable rate seeding, variable rate fertilizer, and now variable rate spraying, are you noticing that that uh, the farmers you work with tend to start with one of those? Is there one that's sort of the gateway to the others? Yeah, look, I think variable rate fertilizer is definitely number one. Uh, we're sort of big on urea here. I think most guys will spread anywhere from around about, you know, 100 to 300 kilos a hectare. Um, you guys with, uh, yeah, your pounds and everything can convert that back. I'm not real. My conversion rate's not unreal. So none of us are very good at it, but if they're very interested, they could get a pen and a paper or Google it or something. <laughs> exactly. So now look, I think in URE is probably our, one of our biggest input costs in our area. So, you know, we're, we're reasonably high rainfall through here. Um, and we do have some very fertile soils. So Guys are always sort of, you know, can I cut my urea inputs back? The answer is always, oh, absolutely, of course you can cut it back. But, you know, what are you actually risking to actually cut that back? You know, this is where I think, you know, the soil mappings really nowadays come into, into foe. We've got a lot of guys that have sort of gone from doing transect soil tests and, you know, yes, look, that's a really great start. And we would actually say that that's part of, you know, stepping into precision ag. Doing a transect soil test is giving you information. So any information is good information. So that may mean that growers maybe have to spend a little bit more money on urea to hit their target goals. I think the next step from there is, you know, when we actually, and we've done it in the past, you go out and do a soil test and you know that that grower's got a part of the paddock that may be a bit lighter country 
um, maybe a bit different pH or something like that. And doing a soil test in one part of the paddock and doing a soil test in the other part of the paddock and getting the two tests back and comparing the pair, sometimes it's really enlightening for the grower to actually look at it and go, oh, I didn't realise there was such a big difference from that part of the paddock to that part of the paddock. You know, and I think that begins the uh, the conversation around, well, how do we know what part's what? And I think that's where, you know, at the moment, the, the soil mapping is really coming into play. We can go out and we can map those soil types and, you know, break them all down and test them individually and say to the growers, well, you know, you might need 100 kilos of urea in that part of the paddock to achieve your yield goal. Um, but in this part of the paddock over here, you may need 300 kilos or you may need 50 kilos. So, you know, it's really putting your money where you're going to get the best return. We also tend to say to growers too that doing a variable rate map, if you're looking to average out your yield and, you know, make your yield maps all green or something like that, you may actually be doing yourself an injustice as well. We've got soil types through some paddocks here where in a good year, you know, you might grow seven tonne a week in the same paddock in a poorer zone you may be very limited to grow three tonne a week so we sort of say the guys you know it's about achieving what your soil type can achieve it doesn't matter if your map at the end of the day is all one color because theoretically your zones are only going to reach certain yield potentials so if you can reach every yield potential in every part of the paddock for the least amount of cost you're going to have more money in your pocket at the end of the day Absolutely. Well, what about with the technology itself? You you all have been on kind of leading edge for a long time. What do you see is coming next? And uh, I thought it was a cool example you gave with the sea and spray, uh, looking at brown and green on on kind of the, the pulses that had died and uh, not needing to spray them with fungicide. I thought that was a cool example. Is there anything else like that with either the SWAT cam or this kind of spot spraying technology that you see as like surprising opportunities that they unlock? Oh, look, I, I definitely think um, the SWAT cams are giving us some really good information this year. This is the first year we've ran them. They're giving us some really good information, and we're going back and spending a lot of time in looking at establishment of plants in certain zones, and whether that be hills, depressions, or elevations, um, if they're actually you know establishing differently to other parts of the paddock. For us, we're an inquisitive bunch here. We We like to try and identify something and then find a solution for it or or an answer. Now, sometimes it might just slap you in the face and the answer's right there. Other times, yeah, look, it does take a little bit more digging, but we're trying to learn more about what soil types are, you know, establishing differently and how we actually correct those. Obviously, establishment in our part, as any part, it's vital to, you know, getting it out of the ground and off to a really good start. So. We're looking at SWAT cams especially. We've got a lot of paddocks here that are very larger scale, so it's hard to identify every single piece of that paddock sometimes. You could drive over it for four hours and still miss something. Um, SWAT cams is providing us a, a full overview look and having the maps underneath it, it does give us some really good information to actually go back, identify it, go out, ground truth it, um, and then actually work out why that's actually occurring, come up with a solution, and then the following year, you know, we're on top of it. So um, we're learning a lot from the SWAT cams through weeds as well. 
uh, we've had some maps, weed maps come up and, you know, we've actually driven out there and gone, yeah, look, that's a big patch of ryegrass. Um, didn't realise we had that much here. So the following season, we're actually creating, if we're sowing a cereal in there, we're actually creating a variable rate seed map and trying to, you know, control the numbers a little bit, both through chemical technologies and, and also seeding rates as well. So the information we're getting out of these cams, we're kind of forever learning really about different ways we can actually, you know, identify issues and solve problems. So, And I know you've only been doing the SWAT cam one year, but I, I imagine what you'll start to see with data year on year on year is that the kind of the same weed starts popping up in the same areas, do you suppose? Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, and that's something that we believe with the SWAT cams, we're going to have better information when we're going from crop to crop year on year. We sort of know where the weeds are. We understand more how we can actually, you know, find a process to control these weeds, whether it's through chemical or whether that's, you know, through seeding rates. And we do see some correlation between zones as well on our soil maps. So, you know, we're finding there's a correlation between, you know, this weed seems to be showing up in this particular zone. And, you know, we can actually create these maps to make sure going forward we we don't have blowout issues. And for us, that's really important, um, especially for some parts of our area that are lower rainfall. We just don't want to be having weeds in certain parts of the zones because we can't afford to give away any more moisture than what we already are. Well, zooming out here, Trav, before I let you go, kind of precision ag more generally, what what's capturing your imagination of what could be, you know, where this is headed in the future and, and where this technology might uh, solve even more problems for you and for the farmers you work with? Oh, look, I think in the last sort of few years, it has really evolved. I think the amount of information that growers are probably not understanding that are right at their fingertips to make better decisions around what they're actually doing um, has changed significantly in the last few years. And, you know, we first started doing some precision ag around about 10 years ago. And from there, we went from dragging an EM38 sled through the paddock and hoping it didn't tip over or break or snap off or something to, you know, now we're using a swap box. And the information from going from a straight sort of a, a pH flat map into these 3D maps nowadays with you know, different maps, elevations, hills, depressions, that kind of thing, and even water flow, you know, charts and things like that. It's It's been massive, and we were tied up with Nutrien for a little while. Um, they were doing some precision ag stuff um, through Echelon. They did some topsoil mapping, and you basically got a map that was flat. It would have three zones in there. Nowadays, the technology is far surpass that and you know we're noticing with our swap maps especially that you know we're getting a really good identifiable 10 zones in the paddock which is greater information for us and for the grower um we're getting these maps that have also got depressions and hills and we've got some areas through our parts that are very frost prone so it's really nice to actually be able to do a map and go, well, these are your frosty areas and, you know, nine out of 10 years you get whacked. We're starting to learn about different ways we can actually go about that. Nowadays, when you buy a new machine, all these machines are capable of doing precision ag. You're paying for it. You can't walk into a machinery company and go, I want to buy that air seeder. 
that I don't need all the variable rate gear on it. Can you knock 50 grand off? Pretty sure most machinery companies are going to say, no, that ain't going to happen. So we want to sort of help them get a return on their investment and show them that, you know, there's a reason that the machines nowadays are coming out with the technology they got is because it's beneficial if if you're using it. This has been so great, Trav. Anything else you want to make sure you mention on a, on a short uh, podcast about this? No, look, I think we've sort of covered most things off. You know, I, I'd encourage any grower out there that's um, interested, you know, in precision ag to talk to their agronomist about it or to talk to somebody about it. I think going forward, you know, it's really going to change in the next few years. And I think, you know, dipping your toe into the water now is definitely a, a good thing. Um, you don't want to get to the point. And I know within our business here, we've sort of always sort of kept up with times a little bit. And now we've got a lot of guys that are actually really trying to be proactive about it. And, you know, the, the guys that are doing it that have gone from sort of, you know, like a what we call a level one, which is doing one thing into you know, a, a level seven, which is, you know, doing several different things has definitely increased. We've got guys that have been doing this for four years, five years, you know, religiously. They're built from one to another to another, and they're actually pressuring us quite a bit nowadays, which is good. You know, where to next? We've seen the benefits in this. Where do we go to next? You know, how do we make this work? And it's doing such a wonderful job. We just want to keep moving forward and moving forward. So it's addictive. And, you know, whether you're young or whether you're old, I know a lot of the older guys out there will say that, you know, this is all kind of past me. We've got one poster boy within our group here. He started doing some last year and he's actually over 60 years old. So he's got the machines that are capable of doing this. And some people think uh, Precision Ag's a young person's game a little bit. and. This guy, you know, 60 years old, he's never done any before. He came in this year and said, I want to do some of this because I like it and it makes sense to me. He's really loving the experiences now. He's understanding when we go to him and go, you don't need 100 kilos urea in that part of the paddock. You actually need 180. Uh, when we first told him that he had to up his fertilizer rates, he nearly fell off the chair. He said, oh. Not only do I have to pay for the precision ag, but now I'm paying like the twice the fertilizer I thought I was going to use. And you sort of go, well, yeah, but this is the yield goal that potentially you're going to reach now. And this is what you actually needed to achieve that. He went out, we put it all into his machine for him. All he had to do was touch the screen, touch the paddock he was in, and everything magically happened out the back. And he actually said there not too long ago, he said, you know, I looked at my crops and I looked at my neighbors and he said, my crops are probably two ton better than theirs. And he said, you know, I can understand now why I had to go and spend more money on fertilizer. But he said, I also am smart enough to know that the return on investment that I've spent is going to be significant. And, you know, he said, basically that'll pay, that one paddock will pay for my whole precision ag for the year. And that's what guys are sort of looking at nowadays. And it's good, you know, it's good to see guys bettering their operations and there is also good to see them enjoying the technology that's at their fingertips and you know moving forward no matter what age they are 
Well, what a cool place to end today's episode. Thank you so much to Trav Hare for being on the show. I'll leave links in the show notes to both his website at Crop Opti Services and, of course, to the Swap Maps website, where you can learn more about some of the technology he discussed in today's episode. Are you finding value from this podcast? Would you like to hear more episodes from us? If so, make sure you subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice and leave us a rating and review while you're there. And if you have any feedback or recommendations for guests or topics or questions, please tweet them to us by using the hashtag SWAT agronomy. 